Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, the Lakers have added Thomas Bryant. Is he the best addition they've made this summer? Plus, they introduce Bryant and the four other new Lakers. What were our impressions of their press conferences? We'll tell you next on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on weekends, no matter how you get your podcasts or where you get your podcasts. It's never behind a paywall. It's always free. Uh, and Andy, Locked On Lakers on YouTube, if you subscribe there, you can get the podcast a little bit early. Uh, you go to Locked On Lakers at YouTube, and you get not only the chance to see us do the show, but you get all kinds of fun little visual jokes, humor, that you may not be able to get just on the audio uh, pod. So uh, make sure you are catching us there as well. It's also where breaking news is going to go, which at this time of year is always important. Um, some interesting numbers on Darvin Ham and Coach of the Year odds, which say something about both Darvin and um, what people think about the Lakers that we will talk about hopefully before the end of the show. But Andy, it was uh, Wednesday was a big day for, for new Lakers. The Lakers introducing five players in El Segundo to the media. Um, the most notable of them being their newest addition, Thomas Bryant, who was a signing late Tuesday evening, um, late enough that we didn't even get him on, on to, uh, to Wednesday's show. We'd been talking about Bryant uh, as a potential guy. His name had been out there, but you can make an argument that he is, I think, the best of the guys, the best free agent signing that they've made this offseason. Well, he's certainly in the position, Brian, of being the most impactful, if not most important, because he... I would say of the five guys that they signed, he's the one that is most likely to start. A, the reports of his signing, I believe uh, Chris Haynes from Yahoo broke it, uh, said that he was told that he would have a legitimate opportunity to compete for the starting center spot. But also when you look at the team just logically, if you're going to be playing some version of one in, four out, and you're going to look at the history of this team, which for better or for worse, has been Anthony Davis is not going to be a full-time center and the need for the spacing around whoever is going to be the one-in guy and that the Lakers did not really sign anybody this offseason who actually shoots. Thomas Bryant is in the position to have a starting role and a pretty significant one moving forward. Yeah, I mean, look, Damian Jones, I, what I like about this is that you know, the, the Lakers have kind of created a, a a version of, you know, the 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 center rotation that they had uh, a couple seasons ago where, you know, you have the outside threat in Gasol with, you know, maybe more of a down low guy in Montrez Harrell or whatever it is. It's not exactly the same, but they have variety now in their center rotation. But Bryant is a guy who, before he got hurt, and this is, he's coming off he did play a little bit last year. He played 27 games last year with the Wizards, but coming back from an ACL, if you go back before he got hurt, scored 13 points a game uh, in 2019-2020 with you know seven rebounds and you know shot 40% from three-point range this on about 25 minutes a night. So pretty productive in mm -hmm. 25 minutes a night. 10 games before he got hurt um, the following season, that was up to 14%. 
or 14 points a game at 43% from three point range. Um, the minutes go up a little bit and you know, the, 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 the other numbers are going up there too. Like, you know, the potential was, I mean, the wizards gave him, you know, $25 million. Um, and you know, they saw the potential. A lot of people saw the potential there. And I think he is hoping and the Lakers are hoping that the production that he showed before he got hurt, uh, as opposed to maybe what he did last year, did not shoot the ball particularly well, is closer to to what he really is. Because, you know, it's not uncommon, Andy, when guys, you know, it takes that second year from the from the, uh, an injury like an ACL before you really get back to yourself. And it's not like he's old. He's he'll be 25 when the season starts. So another flyer on a young player. and. A lot of potential upside with this one. Yeah, you and I were talking about this, Brian, offline before the show. There there has been some talk in terms of people observing the team that Lonnie Walker the fourth was in the position to be this year's Malik Monk. Like he was being brought in to be that guy, the one that was given up on by the team that drafted him, uh, you know, let him go, seemingly had this is something actually we will get into with Lonnie Walker, like his own perspective on how much San Antonio wanted to keep him and that he was in that position to give himself a, you know, a make good deal. And yeah, I suppose Lonnie Walker could play really well and end up in a position to get a good long-term deal, whether from the Lakers or somewhere else. But I don't think that comparison really uh, applies to a guy that's on a full taxpayer mid-level to begin with. Mm -hmm. Thomas Bryant is really the guy that's in the Malik Monk position, maybe not apples to apples in terms of, the team that drafted him, former lottery pick, all that stuff. But in terms of where somebody was and having to take, if nothing else, a perceived pay cut to try to reestablish their value in the league, that really is Thomas Bryant more than anybody else the Lakers brought in. And you made a point, I think it was last week when we were talking about free agency and you know getting ready for it, even been the week before. We're kind of getting ready for it and, and trying to figure out where the Lakers fit in to a lot of these things where they're competing for essentially the same free agents at the same dollars as a lot of people. Cause you know, once you get past the, they can, the taxpayer mid-level, okay. A lot of teams are going to be able to offer something like that. So what can you offer other teams that they may not be able to get somewhere else? And I think Bryant is a perfect example of what you were talking about, where the Lakers can give a guy opportunity that other teams that quite frankly are more competitive with better rosters can't. Um, Bryant was rumored uh, to be connected to the Celtics as a you know as as a potential outcome there. So you know, fun for the Lakers. Not only do they get a good player, they also keep a guy from going to Boston. But you know, if you if you want to resurrect your career, if you want to set yourself up for something bigger than a minimum deal, Bryant's not going to fall out of the league. But he wants a bigger contract and a bigger role and all that. They got Robert Williams there. They've got they've got a lot of front court depth in Boston. He comes to LA. He really is going to have an opportunity to play 25 minutes a night, you know, maybe even more depending on how he defends and what Darvin Ham's offense looks like, especially if he's able to spread the floor in ways that he did in Washington before the injury. At 40%, he's the best three-point shooter they have on the roster. So yeah, it's it like, it's not just like, like they may need to put him on the floor 
because they don't have any other floor spacing. So we may see more center play from the Lakers this year purely because their center happens to be their best shooter. Yeah, he could be the only thing standing in the way of uh, Cole Swider playing 25 minutes a night, depending on how things work out. 35 minutes a night. He also, too, I I think Brian has a real opportunity to make an impact on, on both ends in the not just in the way you talked about he can space the floor which allows Anthony Davis to play closer to the basket allows them theoretically to play one in four out it, it allows more versatility for LeBron it allows more versatility just, you have for you have Anthony much Davis. more spacing available you know if Westbrook is here you have more yes. lanes of penetration like it's just in a in a it, you have more versatility for a modern NBA offense but also too i think defensively he can be really, really useful because he's not somebody that, as a big, can guard in space the way Anthony Davis can, or you know, Draymond Green or a Giannis, like somebody like that. But what he can do is be pretty effective as a lane deterrent, and if he can do that, that can potentially allow Anthony Davis to be able to guard one through five over the course of just an entire possession, much less a game. It can allow LeBron James to be more of that rover back type defensive player that he really enjoys being like, as long as you you can allow a certain amount of chaos in a good way to take place defensively for your team, as long as there is some type of backline structure. Mm -hmm. And I think if nothing else, Thomas Bryant or Damian Jones, when he's out there can provide that type of structure. The difference is just Thomas Bryant, I think can give you more spacing and it seems like offensively, that's what right. Darvin Ham wants to do. No question. And I think, you know, of those two guys, you know, Jones, Jones, I think, is much more the rim protector, the classic rim protector, you know, a little foul prone, but certainly the more classic rim protector. He cut down on yep. it last season. Bryant, he did. Bryant not, you know, didn't really, he was is much, distinguished himself much more as an offensive player than a defensive one. It is worth noting that, you know, the teams he was playing on in Washington were also bad defensively. So it's like, mm-hmm. It is difficult, you know, even, you know, we saw Rudy Gobert, who's a defensive player of the year, Calip, you know, winner, uh, multiple, you know, being victimized by poor perimeter play, poor supporting play, you know, in, in Utah. And I know people are down on Gobert. He, he is an elite defensive player. He, took, he is. He took way too much crap for Utah's, you know, early exits in the playoffs, not living up to what they did in the regular right. season. I'm... I'm all, I mean, we don't have to go on a tangent on this, but I am more bullish on his effect in Minnesota. Oh, I, I, I I like this trade. Short term, I like it a lot for Minnesota. We'll cover it a lot, actually, as we start getting ready for the season. Let's I, A couple more things I want to mention about Bryant and then in some of the stuff he said, and then let's get into some of the, uh, the other dudes who were introduced in L.A. Uh, Wednesday afternoon. So we'll do all that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it is impossible to stock all the parts you would need in a traditional chain storefront. And who cares? Because why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store, new car dealership anyway, getting played by some shady salesperson openly treating you like the sucker that you are for walking into that store in the first place because you can get it for way less at rockauto.com. Example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump. 353 bucks at a chain store. It's only 216 from Rock Auto. They are a family business. RockAuto.com has been serving auto park customers online for 20 years. So 
Whether it's for a classic or a daily driver, get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Convenience. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear Us About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So I, I mentioned that Thomas Bryant is 25 years old, Andy. It continues the trend. Um, I, I think at this point you you can uh, 100% say that this is intentional from the Lakers. Juan Toscano Anderson remains the oldest guy that they signed at 29 years old. They, nobody is over 30. Everybody is younger. Everybody theoretically should have a little more bounce, uh, a little more energy, a little more upside. Uh, maybe the floor... You don't know about it. You don't know what it's going to be in theory, um, although the floor for some of the players that they thought was going to be a little higher last year turned into a basement <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> I was say it caved um, in. It, it, it collapsed the floor, um, <laughs> yes. the foundation. I like that they continue to go find young players and fill these spots. And, you know, Troy Brown is an imperfect guy and, you know, Bryant is coming off an injury and Lonnie Walker is imperfect and all these things. But collectively, they, they've done the right thing in terms of making themselves younger and hopefully will hit on some of the upside here um, from players. Because as we learned last year, veteranness A, doesn't necessarily get you the results that you want. And B, the veteranness that they were counting on only matters if you can get to the playoffs and you can put it to use and you can... Uh, and somebody might out there, out there might say, well, some of these guys, they might fail in the playoffs. They might fail under that spotlight. Okay, let's get there first. And if they fail in this, you know, in that spotlight, I'm okay with it. Let's get there first. Well, I look, I mean, these guys are no more of a guarantee to get there first than last year's guys were. I mean, if nothing else, maybe you could say, and time will tell, that the Lakers ended up going too far reflexively in the other direction. And if there's one thing, I think sort of a pattern we've seen with this front office is that when they tend to uh to tweak they like turn things around 180 degrees <laughs> like they, south they no north no west yeah, no east let's they go don't, they don't look a lot for goldilockses you know this bet is just right <laughs> type thing but i i can see why they decided to go this route because it became clear really quickly that those guys that they brought in last year as a whole, and maybe things are different if Kendrick Nunn is actually available during the season or if THT doesn't miss so much time throughout it, mm -hmm. but they were gassed fast. I mean, beyond the fact yeah. that they were well past their prime, they seemed old <laughs> really quickly. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. if nothing else, this is a group that seems like it's just built for 82 games physically a lot more and, than... and, and playing fast, which is something yeah. that Troy Brown talked about a lot. It's something that Lonnie Walker talked about. Walker was an interesting voice on Wednesday because he, he was asked about, you know, being, he is kind of their marquee signing from a dollar standpoint. And it was funny to me. Like he was like, I hadn't really thought about that. You know, like, uh, the, the context of that, but it was it's something that is going to impact the way people look at his performance this year. Um, you know, whether it's fair or not, and I would say probably not because I don't think he was a great use of that money. Um, fans are going to look at him as a player who needs to make a big impact. And at least to his credit, he talked about uh, talked like a guy who is 
uh, very ready to do that, to try to make a really big impact on this team. Yeah, he did. I mean, I do actually think it is fair because ultimately you have to evaluate his play in part. Was he the best use of the biggest resource that you have? So in in that sense, I mean, I don't. Right. I just mean, it's not his fault. The Lakers gave it to him. No, but it it is nonetheless fair to evaluate his play in terms of figuring out, was this a good decision to Mm -hmm. begin with? Right. I just put that I would put that more on Rob than I would. Walker in terms of that evaluation, because I would say going in, the answer is no. But anyway, go ahead. Um, He talked a lot, Lonnie Walker, about defense. And he talked about being comfortable guarding one through three. He said that he thought maybe he's put on um, enough muscle that he could start experimenting with guarding fours. Um, This obviously is noteworthy because Lonnie Walker does not have a reputation for guarding anybody. And and. This is a team that needs to get considerably better next season if they're going to try to be serious about the playoffs. And this, by the way, holds whether you're talking about if Russ is on this team or Kyrie Irving is on this team because Kyrie Irving is maybe a defensive upgrade over Russ, but not by much, and it ain't a compliment either way. I was about to say, that is a, it is a very low bar to clear. Um, so, so you're, so just, you're was, just stepping over it. It was very clear that Lonnie Walker had people talking to him about the importance of defense. And if nothing else is uh, verbalizing that company line. I also thought it was really interesting, Brian. I I asked him because San Antonio is very clearly moving into a rebuilding direction. Mm -hmm. And Walker's only 23 and he was one of their draft picks. And I asked him if he had had any type of expectation or hope that he could be a part of or would be a part of that rebuild or that San Antonio, if nothing else, would want him to be a part of that. And in so many words, he said he was open to staying with San Antonio and open to being a part of that process and sounded to me a little bit hurt that San Antonio didn't want to keep him or if nothing else, like he considered it a slight, like that that he could have been, he logically fit with the direction that they are going and they decided you're not going to be a part of it. I mean, they rescinded their qualifying offer for him. And I, I, that to me is is one of the red flags because, you know, you, you talked about defense and him talking about defense. And I don't doubt that he's going to try. A couple of years ago, he was given really, you know, sort of the, the, the difficult uh, assignments because part of what his appeal was coming out of was it one year at Miami, I believe it was. Um, was that he's such a good athlete and he's so long and all that, that he would really be a good, versatile defender. And it hasn't played out that way, whether he's been responsible for guarding really good players or last year where he was given much more low leverage defensive assignments and, and failed at that as well. And I, I think it's, it's just, there's something tantalizing about guys with just great athleticism where you feel like they, they, should be good defenders. Maybe they just are. You see them moving around. You see the you know the, the the quickness or the agility or whatever it is. But defense at the NBA level is so much more than that. It is so much more than just your athleticism uh, and all that. And I, I legitimately, um, you know, take into consideration the team that let him go is one that is known for teaching. Is one that is known for player development and all that kind of stuff. And they didn't see that kind of development on defense. They didn't see that kind of development uh, in his total game. It is, no question, a red flag. And so 
I, 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 again, I, I'm sure he'll work. I'm sure he'll try. You know, Monk tried last year. It wasn't a lack of effort. He's just not sure. very good at it. Um, there's so, it is so hard to be good both as an individual and team defender. And it's a lot more than athleticism. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do think it's interesting that he kind of seemed like he would have been happy to stay in San Antonio. Um, but he, like Thomas Bryant, like a lot of these guys, is at a, a place where he really does need to perform to get that next deal for himself in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's interesting in the way, too, that athleticism, there's often that assumption, you know, mm -hmm. that not only you can play NBA defense, that, you, that you're automatically a defender just because you're athletic. And sometimes it takes a while for that to eventually catch up to itself. Like, for example, Andrew Wiggins finally became the defender that everybody projected him to be this last season or maybe last season and change. Last in couple of seasons, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of that may be just he was in a great system with other great defenders around him and a great coach in Golden State. Some of that may be his own maturity, right. his role changing, where he feels comfortable focusing or, yeah, on it more, or both. priorities, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But sometimes it does happen, and may, maybe this is where it starts to come together for Lonnie Walker. I mean, th there were guys under Frank Vogel that had never defended before. Kyle Kuzma improved a great deal from when the Lakers drafted him to where he is now as a, as a defender at, at the NBA level. So, I mean, like, it, I'm not saying it can't happen. I, I, I'm saying it, it, it hasn't happened yet. And then, you know, with Walker, and we'll, we'll move on here, you know, with Walker too, there's just the issue of his efficiency as an offensive player and as a shooter. He said, you know, leave me open and see what happens. He's we we, we will like people are going to leave him open and see what happens because certainly last year at high volume, he was a very inefficient, inefficient shooter from, uh, from distance and his career averages on wide open threes. It's about 36, 30, you know, something percent, which is very low, uh, for the NBA for a guard, um, at, you know, on a wide open three. So, um, quick more, a little more reaction to guys we heard, particularly Juan Toscano Anderson, uh, he is going to be very popular. We'll get to that. And if we have time, we'll get to that Darvin Ham number. Uh, and we'll do it all next. Lockdown Lakers brought to you by Built Bar. Okay. The bakers slash scientists slash geniuses over at Built Bar, they never stop finding new ways to spin forward their creations. They took the instant classic, the recent coconut brownie chunk, they added some marshmallows to it, and boom, you got yourself a coconut brownie chunk puff. It's the coconut brownie chunk Built Bar. It's the flavor that you love, but now it's with the marshmallows covered as always in 100% real chocolate. It is a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness, but also it is great for you. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein. As always, the collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and has tons of health benefits. You can eat something that actually tastes good. It's good for you though, and it's perfect for when you've got a craving, you need a snack really quick on the go. That's where the built Bars are always at their best. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. They're only here for a limited time, so go to built.com right now. Make sure you don't miss out. It's great coconut taste, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Just get on it right now. Go to built.com. Order a box of the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Puffs right now. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCK15, 15% off at built.com. Um, we get to JTA here. That's what his friends call Juan Toscano Anderson. Um, but I, I do want to point this out. Barnes on the YouTube page left a really good comment. I, I noted on Wednesday's show 
uh, my disappointment that the Lakers passed on um, Isaiah Roby, who was released by the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, 24, 25 years old, good young player, put up some numbers uh, in you know 25 minutes a game or so, like after the All-Star break, played very well, um, 13 points a game, seven or eight rebounds, shot 46% from the uh, three-point range and all that kind of stuff, can guard multiple positions. I would have loved the Lakers to pick him up. You made the point, Andy, that perhaps one of the things that got them to pass is that they were you know, trying to keep roster spots open. Obviously, they knew Bryant was coming at this point um, or had a good idea. Um, but maybe they're holding roster spots for Kyrie and Barnes. Which Kyrie I thought was a, and who else? Too. And someone else, right. Um, Barnes makes the point, and I think it's a good one that I didn't think of at the time, uh, that's not signing Roby to keep spots open doesn't wash with me. Wenyan Gabriel is on a non-guaranteed contract. Roby is a lot better than him, so you just cut Wenyan for space if needed. They made a mistake on this one. And the more I thought about it, like even before I saw this comment, especially given how slow this Kyrie thing might be, especially given the, the idea that it might not happen. Maybe, you know, things get repaired. Maybe they go into the season in Brooklyn with Durant um, and trying to make him happy. So I don't think they're going to trade Kyrie if you're trying to make, keep Durant happy and all that. The more I thought about it, the more I really wish they would have just gone ahead and filled a roster spot with Isaiah Roby, who I actually think is better than both Wenyan and Gabriel on that non-guaranteed contract, but also Stanley Johnson. So um, it's not likely to be a huge thing, but I wonder if it's one of these kind of moments where the the finances of things, not wanting to cut a guy that you've given some money to or whatever it might be, gets in the way. Um, or maybe they just felt like Roby's not that good, which you know, I guess is, uh, you know, they, they know some things about basketball. I would point out San Antonio, who was in the middle of a rebuild, did decide that he was good enough. So just wanted to note that comment because I thought it was a really astute one. Um, and note that I, after 24 hours, am actually more disappointed they didn't pick up Roby than I was before. Anyway, uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson is going to be a really popular Laker. I think that much was abundantly clear uh, on Wednesday when he was introduced to the media in El Segundo. Yeah, I mean, first of all, he is he he and Troy Brown talked a lot about just being Kobe fans and mm -hmm. how much being Kobe fans had always, you know, created an awareness and I think respect for them for the Laker organization in general. And for you know, for Juan Toscano Anderson, he talked about the I thought this was this I thought was interesting just because since he's on a minimum deal like we've seen over the last few years with the Lakers, it is always dicey to get these guys to stay with the organization for a while, unless they're on right. either on, unless they're either older and just want to stay somewhere for a while, or, you know, they got a second year player option, something like that. But for the most part, these guys, when they are young enough and Juan Toscano Anderson at 29 certainly qualifies, they want to try to get as much money as they can. So staying with the same team on a veterans minimum deal isn't always conducive to that. He talked about wanting to be remembered by Laker fans as somebody that was a part of the organization, as opposed to somebody that was just passing through. And, you know, look, maybe you can make that type of mark in essentially one year, like Trevor Ariza, for all intents and purposes, did that. Granted, it was as a starting small forward on a championship team. But that first the first season he was with the Lakers of the two, he was injured the whole year. 
So for all intents and purposes, it was a wash and uh-huh. everybody remembers Trevor. So maybe there are different ways for, for JTA to do that. But that in and of itself, like sort of that far reaching ambition and vision that he had for himself as a Laker, given the context of his situation, I thought was really interesting and something that will just he, fans will really embrace that from him. Well, I, yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy and you know, you can go back and uh, plenty of people have written about his backstory and how he got here and, and all that stuff, you know, in terms of the grind that he needed to get to the NBA. Um, you get the sense he really appreciates the opportunity to be here, to be here in the Royal NBA sense, to be here specifically in LA to go from a place like Golden State where he wins a title and he gets to play with Steph and he gets to play with Clay and Draymond and learn from the people that Oregon. He spent a lot of time talking about Golden State, he even apologized for talking about them so much. But I, where it's relevant, I think, is because you know he also kind of talked about what he brings from a cultural standpoint. Um, he, he referred to himself a few times as an everyday guy meaning he's going to come in and do the work every day. He's going to be consistent every day. He's going to be a team guy every day. He's going to bring you know, bring that energy and that spirit and the, the, the true selflessness that goes with that every day. And it's something that he learned at Marquette. And, you know, he ta- I actually asked him this because he talked a lot, he kind of talked about culture. Um, and I, I wanted to ask him if he thinks of himself as a culture guy or if that's something that's, you know, and what that even means to him. And he said initially he kind of was resistant to it. It started even when he was in college at Marquette. And he kind of had to embrace it as, as sort of one of the things that makes him special as a player, makes him good as a player, makes him a contributor as a player. Um, in ways that I, I think that like Roni Turia, for example, used to really kind of chafe at the idea of just being called an energy guy because it reduces the amount of time and work and skill that these guys put in and have and put in uh you know he just roni just plays really hard and he runs around and he's got lots of energy and he's goofy on the bench and ever there's so much more more to what these guys bring but ultimately i think toscano anderson's role as a culture former a, a culture contributor is going to be really important on this team like last year the culture was terrible and it was it was ugly and it was disjointed and they didn't have enough Juan Toscano Andersons. And so uh, he could have a really important role in this team. And if it works out, maybe there's a way to keep him around for a while. Yeah, he said something really interesting along that front. Just when he said that it took a while for him to accept that that idea of being a culture guy, specifically in Golden State, he thought it was weird because he's like, I don't play enough. He's like, I'm, I don't feel like I actually am you know, a tangibly important enough member of this team in terms of us winning that anybody would look to me to help set a culture in the first place. And then I think as time went along, he he began to really understand the importance of his own contributions mm-hmm. and just sort of like how he he helps fill a very specific piece of the puzzle. And, you know, he said that he's the guy that will do anything it takes to win. He specifically said, you know, dive over a scorer's table or rebounding. You know, he said, I can be the bright spot of a team. He's like, I don't think a team necessarily has to have a bright spot, but I can bring that type of energy. He said that he's a cerebral player. You only have to tell him how to do something once. And he remembers it because of his versatility. He, 
learns all the plays at all the different positions because he expects to play a few of them over the course of the season anyway. And just that mentality, he had a great line when he was talking about just going from the Mexican league to grinding his way through the G league to now where he is solidly as an NBA player. He said, I don't want nobody to take my job from me. Mm -hmm. And he, he treats his time now in the NBA as I have earned my way here, but it can always be taken from me if I don't keep it up exactly the way I'm doing it. I think NBA player uh, Laker fans are going to love him. Yeah, I think they're just going to love him on this team. And and I think the the culture that you know Darvin opened his press conference, Darvin Ham talking about role guys and talking about connecting with those players and, and all that kind of stuff. And you know the culture in Golden State valued the contributions of players like um, like JTA. And the, I think one of the flaws of the Lakers culture over the last few years is thinking of those types of players as disposable mm -hmm. and they're not. And so I think the hope is that you can start to change those types of things. And I'm not saying Vogel treated him that way, but the organization sort of has, I think Darwin will very much value and, and, and lean into the contributions that those guys make, which will maximize the impact that Toscano Anderson can have, even if he's only playing a 15 minute a night role. Uh, we mentioned Darvin Ham and uh, and uh, some interesting numbers that were released about his Coach of the Year odds. We didn't get a chance, obviously, to talk about it, but we can lead that uh, into Friday. It's uh, it speaks both about Ham and what people see the Lakers' chances next year, what that might look like. So we'll do all that on Friday. A reminder: Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you go to get the show uh, generally a, bit, a little bit early and a fun visual product at that. Um, uh, make Locked On a Locked On podcast your first listen and your second listen of every day. We'll see you on Friday. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.